What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. because uh, I'm a big fan of science, believe it or not, especially when it comes to things like astronomy and uh, and stuff like that. So we're going to get into this right now, and our guest is here with us. Dr. Massimo Teodorani is a northern Italian astrophysicist and obtained his master's degree in astronomy and his Ph.D. in stellar physics at the University of Bologna as a researcher at the uh, Astronomical Observatories of Bologna, Naples, and later... At the INAF Radio Telescope of Medicine, he has been involved in research on many types of explosive uh, stellar phenomena, such as supernova, nova, eruptive protostars, and high-mass close binary stars, and more recently in the search for extrasolar planets and extraterrestrial intelligence within the SETI project. Now, Dr. Teodorani subsequently taught physics as a lecturer at the University of Bologna, Rome, and Torino, and among his varied research interests, there is an active involvement in the study of anomalous aerial phenomena. You can go to his website at massimoteodorani.com, and it's really cool to have you on here. Thank you so much for joining us uh, all the way across Thank the you. pond. Thank you to you. Now, I, I noticed that when I was talking with Dan earlier in the first hour is that I'm not uh, such a guy that believes that everything is... Uh, UFOs all the time, but I do know this, that there has been a lot of sightings of, let's just say, lights, and I've seen them myself, 
and especially um, amber-colored lights, which is extremely, um, I guess that's the one that, that gets seen a lot. Is any of this stuff, these lights that we're seeing, first and foremost, can they just be explained by nature, most of these things that we're calling UFOs, just out of curiosity? Yeah, well, um, well, we don't have yet an explanation, but I can assure you that uh, we have uh, carried out observational campaign using instrumentation like magnetometers, telescope spectrometers, uh, um, several kind of sensor, uh, using the same philosophy of um, research uh, as we use in astrophysics, because we have to measure the light, we have to measure electromagnetic radiation that is uh, emitted by these things, and so we thought that the best way to obtain data about this kind of phenomena is to go to some areas of the world where such phenomena occur very often. Uh, the most important of them, at least for us, was uh, the uh, Hesdalen Valley in Norway, where um, we carried out uh, several um, missions uh, during the summer. Uh, me and then after me, my colleagues of the radio telescope of uh, Medicino. I come to your question. Uh, we were able to describe the behavior of the phenomenon, but we were not able yet to explain what it causes. It, but we, uh, at least we know uh, the questions that we have to ask, the crucial questions, and namely, what kind of energy is able to keep a plasma, namely uh, incandescent gas, practically ions and electrons, what is able to contain such plasma for a very long time in a very restricted space, uh, um, uh, giving the shape of a light bulb. Clearly, what we saw there is uh, um, normally is not a structured thing, so it's not flying saucer or something like that. It looks like a natural phenomenon, uh, very much, um, but uh, through witnesses uh, that um, experienced the phenomenon in the valley, um, there is maybe maybe. Uh, something more. Maybe it, this could be due to the electromagnetic radiation that phenomenon in case is able to exert on the brain of uh, the witnesses who might have uh, uh, hallucinations or something that they think, but is we don't know uh, yet. We don't know what is the contained mechanism of the plasma, and this is extremely important for the physics because we could if we understand that what is the central force that is keeping the plasma self-contained we could reproduce such a phenomenon in a laboratory so that it's very important for the energy um, energy uh, issue um, that uh, it's important for our life uh, if we can uh, find an alternative energy so we continue, we try to continue when we have money funding to make a monitoring uh, uh, operations. And now, together with uh, American colleagues, uh, 
of the group uh, uh, led by Dr. Mark Rodeger and uh, other scientists. Uh, I have been collaborating with them. I have been collaborating um, on a project which is called UFO Data. Uh, you, you can find UFO data if you Google it, uh, you can find immediately. And the goal of this group is to uh, um, build up an uh, automatic measurement station and place it in hot spots of the world in which light, strange light phenomena occur most often. In the case of UFO data, uh, they will, uh, the, the prototype of this instrument, which is uh, in advanced state of, the, of um, uh, preparation, it will be deployed mostly in the United States. So it's uh, of great interest for the United States as uh, you in your big nation have several hotspots where light, strange light phenomena occur very often, uh, for instance, such as the uh, Brown Mountain, uh, mm -hmm. the Brown Mountain, one is the Marfa, uh, famous Marfa lights, and another one in, in, is in the Yakima. Uh, so, and uh, another one is Cloverdale. I have been in touch with all these people to try to coordinate uh, uh, actions. Okay, so this uh, um, we learned something about the behavior, the phenomena. It's at least uh, in Stalin. It's like a cluster of light balls that uh, split, unite, and uh, they have a great and they emit a great energy. I measured when I could um, 20 kilowatt of power uh, in a few seconds. So it's very interesting from the physics point of view. I cannot say more about that in, in the sense that I don't know more. If I knew, uh, I would tell you. But anyway, my work together with one of my colleagues had been published on peer review um, journals. And right. um, big congresses. So this is what I can tell you so far. Okay. So then there is no doubt in my mind that that you and others that you're working with, your your colleagues and people like SETI, are doing everything they, they can scientifically with the tools that they have to figure out what is going on with this phenomenon that we call UFOs. However, and yeah. I want to test my intuition here because I have no idea how, how you've done your research, uh, yeah, yeah. most of it. Right. What, it's what's going on, I feel, is it, is it having something to do, maybe, with consciousness? Is that possible? Well, specifically, those recurrent light phenomena mm, do not have to do with consciousness. Maybe, maybe it, it it could have to do, but this is something that could be investigated by, uh, how to say, psychologists mm. or, or other kind of scholars, okay? Our goal is just to get physical data uh, from the phenomenon. I can tell you anyway, because I spoke with witness of the phenomenon, both in uh, Stalin and also in Northern Italy, because something similar happens uh, recurrently in Northern Italy, uh, that some people had the impression that uh, looking at those lights, uh, those lights were communicating straightly in their mind, sort of telepathy. Clearly, this is not my competence, so I cannot say anything. I believe that these people was uh, sincere. These people didn't want their name is, uh, 
is divulged to, to the general people. They simply, uh, they were sincere. Regarding the phenomenon, you ask me, what do we do uh, to make this research? Uh, I can tell you. We uh, use uh, normally um, some high power um, telescopes when it's possible to use them because uh, the more you um, magnify the field of view of the phenomenon and the more it's possible that the light phenomenon moves. So it's difficult to track it. So it's better to use um, high, so highly sophisticated um, video cameras and cameras. But uh, we also use the uh, spectrographs, spectral gratings, through which it's possible to analyze the light, namely which chemical elements are producing the light, what is the temperature, what is the pressure, what is the density of the plasma that is producing it. And this is what we normally do in astrophysics. So it's something like an applied astrophysics. We measured also the radio waves uh, in the, uh, uh, above all in, the, in two ranges, in a very long wavelength like VLF, um, ELF, and in very uh, short wavelength, high frequency, in um, namely microwaves, we have used radar, we have used magnetometers, and we have tried to use all these instruments simultaneously so that we see if we can establish some kind of correlations or so. So, to study the phenomenon, we use the same philosophy as we use in astrophysics, only that. Uh, the light phenomenon is just here. The problem, differently from um, what happens with uh, celestial objects like stars, is that phenomenon is not, it's moving randomly. So it's difficult, we, it's very difficult to, um, to catch it. It's not like a star with uh, fixed coordinates. Uh, we, we put the coordinates in the computer of the telescope and we find the star always there. The light phenomenon is moving randomly when it appears. But we uh, have now some particular instruments uh, such as the uh, multiplexer um, spectrograph of which I have uh, um, a prototype uh, which was projected by Dr. Romasters and there is the patent published in uh, internet, which is able to get the spectrum in a very wide field of view. So if the light phenomenon is moving, it catches its light anyway. So it's a genial invention, uh, just to make you an example. Okay. In my opinion, uh, we would like to um, use also a high-speed uh, uh, video camera able to get uh, something like between 1 million and 1 billion frames per second so that we go in deep into the um, time variability of the phenomenon through which you could understand something. Uh, clearly, we need money for that. And uh, money funding is very little and most of my colleagues have snobbed this kind of research, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, yes, the situation is, is so, but we continue to make uh, research projects and we have money, uh, we go to make missions. Okay, this is what happens uh, regarding this light phenomenon. What happened, you mentioned SETI before, SETI. Mm. SETI is a totally different thing. 
where uh, we are aiming uh, uh, our radio telescopes and sometimes also optical telescopes uh, towards uh, um, uh, stellar candidates where there could be uh, uh, some planets uh, which we discovered uh, 5,000 exoplanets so far and some of which could contain life and maybe intelligence. We have tried and uh, very recently uh, there is even bad news. The news is that Australian scientists, uh, um, radio astronomer, scanned with a, a, the most sophisticated technique with a, a radio telescope uh, a wide region of sky containing about one million stars, okay, and they found uh, nothing. Unfortunately, they found, we didn't found nothing yet, in spite of the sophistication of our radio telescopes, of our receivers, and an, a spectrum analyzers. So the situation is, um, for now, uh, is for now so. Uh, clearly, um, regarding, uh, so we have light phenomenon, which we don't know what what yeah. causes them. And on another side, we have a, a SETI attempt to see uh, if there are other intelligence. There is also a variant of the SETI, which is a search for extraterrestrial visitation, which was an initiative that was um, uh, proposed by um, JP, NASA, JPL scientist Scott Stride, and with and also uh, Dr. Amon Asbro in Ireland, and also by myself, which uh, is aimed to uh, see if something uh, um, extraneous has entered into inside the solar system, and we do know what we expect to see. Okay, so there is also this initiative, but so far we have no we have no results. Well, that is definitely when it comes to the UFO community, not yeah. what we hear a lot, because what happens is, just to be honest with you, is the best experiments yeah. we get as, as civilians and people that aren't, that don't have all these tools is night vision. And people look up at night vision and like, well, well, look, there's a galactic war going on. And really, they're just able to see more with the, with the eye. And really, most of that stuff is... Uh, explainable if you're not finding life or ships out there and you looked at what you said one million stars or, or systems that's that's a lot that, that that's kind of makes us makes me feel a little well, bit we alone. Have, I, I can tell you that we have uh, um, uh, 100 billion galaxies yeah. um, in the universe and um, every galaxy is every galaxy such as ours contains two uh, hundred millions uh, stars. So the probability to find uh, life, intelligent life, is is uh, is high. Clearly, mm. but anyway, very rare. One out of one million among the stars could contain life, and yet they would be very many because we have so many stars. So the possibility to be visited it does exist. Right. Uh, also because. Uh, uh, there is also uh, theoretical physics uh, uh, work, especially by Einstein um, and um, uh, other scientists, uh, especially the field equations of general relativity that predict that uh, uh, theoretically it's possible to open a wormhole, like we call it, uh, in space-time so that uh, uh, space travel would be very, very fast 
practically a tele form of teleportation, uh, similar to the movie Stargate, for instance, because the concept is that. The problem is that to open uh, the mouth of a gate of such kind requires, demands a lot of energy. Yeah. Energy that is extracted from the quantum vacuum. And uh, for, to make an example, uh, if you want to make a, a mouse pass through a hole which is um, uh, five inches uh, wide uh, for uh, 30 seconds, you need as much energy as the rest mass of the moon. So we do not have this capability. But maybe uh, someone else uh, has this capability uh, as um, from a, a Russian uh, astronomer, Kardashev, um, uh, proposed that there are three kinds of civilizations, type one, type two, and type three. Type one is a bit more than uh, ours, well, they are able to use the energy of their planet. Type two, they are able to use the energy of their stars. So they really are able to tap that energy. And type three could be able to use the energy of an entire galaxy, especially the energy that is produced by the central black hole inside the galaxy. So if they are able to extract such an energy, they might open... Uh, wormhole and so that they could uh, arrive also here clearly they would they would come most favorably here because this is uh, inhabited planet uh, that uh, earth is very beautiful it's possible to there is a lot of life and so it could would trigger the interest of someone else so they can come uh, of course they can come but so far, we do not have any scientific uh, um, proof that this has happened. Yes, there are many UFO sightings. There are many UFO videos. 95% are hoaxes or misinterpretation of known natural phenomena or man-made phenomena. But there is something that remains unexplained and should trigger the interest of all physical scientists. And as well, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, famous, was telling, and also um, Dr. Jacques Vallée, it's important to study this phenomenon, but it's very difficult. So we need, because it's random, okay? We need uh, several automatic measurement stations placed in several areas of the world and hope and wait and and see what happens. Well, what did, so? Thank you for explaining that. By the way, I, I appreciate that. Um, what do we before we take our break here? In your opinion, is there even an explanation for the fast radio bursts that that we keep getting infrequently? And I mean, because yeah. this is a new phenomenon that happened yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, right? Uh, true. Um, we know several uh, astrophysical phenomena, for instance, uh, gamma ray bursts, uh, which are highly energetic phenomena, which are caused um, sometimes by hypernovae, so explosions of uh, uh, supernovae that are 100 times more powerful, but most probably by neutron stars uh, that are have some kind of, uh, how to say, um, 
earthquake on their surface. So they can emit a lot of gamma radiation and maybe also uh, radio radiation. But the radio, fast radio bursts that have been observed um, so far have not been explained as um, according to what we know about high energy uh, uh, physical phenomenon in, in the universe. They have not been explained yet. So the possibility that it's, uh, they are artificial is non-zero. So we have to uh, coldly uh, investigate and also be prepared to discover new natural phenomena. For instance, when the pulsars were discovered by Jocelyn um, Belbournel uh, many years ago, everyone started to think, well, this is a message from extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. Instead, uh, we found a new physical phenomenon uh, that regards neutron stars when their rotation axis is misaligned compared to their magnetic axis. So it might happen the same also with fast radio bursts, but it could also be that it's something that is uh, not natural. So, so far I cannot, uh, I cannot say anything. We have to wait and to collect many more data and see what comes out statistically uh, from, uh, from, the, from, from what we see. Thank you. For th thank you for that. All right. So what we're going to, this is going to be like the shortest break. When we come back, uh, Dr. Teodorani, I want to talk about one of your uh, books, uh, specifically the, the hyperspace of consciousness. Oh, this yes. is the, yeah. the shortest break we have. We'll be right back guys. Stay with us. Okay. is a medical tradition called Spigeria. Though not many people practice this work today, Phoenix Aurelius has been researching and teaching this work for the last 15 years, and he needs your support. Hi, I'm Phoenix Aurelius, and I'm the founder of the Phoenix Aurelius Research Society, where I perform modern scientific research on the methods and techniques of Paracelsian alchemy and Spigeria for health, wellness, agriculture, ecology, and more. All my work is 100% funded by the public, so if you like what I'm doing and you want to support my research, please consider making a purchase of Spigeric medicines from my apothecary, fund your own Spagyric IDF wellness research or participate in my group study or one-on-one -on -one immersion courses so that you can learn how to perform this work for yourself. I want to thank you in advance for your support. Visit thefringe.fm forward slash alchemy research and enter coupon code fringe and receive 15% off anything and everything on the website. That's thefringe.fm forward slash alchemy research and thank you for doing your part and keeping alchemy alive in the modern day. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. 
Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. This is Lighting the Void Radio with your host, Joseph Roop. Hey, is that a new music app? Yeah, check it out. Surfer Music Discovery. It links to thousands of online stations, but the twist is you see the song names and artists that are now playing live. That's different. No guessing. Looks like a waterfall of music. So many formats. Rock, oldies, country, R&B, jazz, and a whole lot more. How's that spelled? Surfer. S-U-R-F-R. Is it expensive? It's free. No need to sign up or sign in. Get the Surfer Music app free from Google Play or the App Store. Hi, I'm Dave Cruz, host of the paranormal media show, Beyond the Strange. Over the past five years, Beyond the Strange has interviewed numerous witnesses to the paranormal, such as UFO abduction, alien aircraft, ghosts, and spiritual visitations, Bigfoot, and other cryptids. Also, Beyond the Strange has interviewed famous researchers and authors that have shared their experiences of the strange and the bizarre. Visit www.beyondthestrange.com for more information about the show, schedules, guests, and chat. Beyond the Strange airs Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 Eastern, right here on the KTLK Digital Broadcasting Network, The Fringe FM. And remember, always stay strange. Hi, this is Kronox from Belgium, and you're listening to Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. States or Canada. You're listening to Lighting the Void Radio. this before uh sorry i need to turn the volume up here i didn't mention before that he he wrote quite a few books and most of them are in italian but if you go to the website you can see the, uh, all the books that he wrote here but i wanted to ask you uh uh doctor the hyperspace of consciousness this is something that one of the reasons why i believe and i guess it's maybe i want to believe but uh because of my dreams and some of the uh, out-of-body experiences i had i kind of believe that a lot of this light and UFO phenomena could be caused uh, by consciousness. And I noticed that you wrote a book about that. And what specifically did you, I'm sure you covered many subjects. Well, what was the main kind of theory that you were looking at here in this book? Yes. Well, first of all, I have to uh, tell this book is only a speculative book. Okay. So uh, it's a, um, not even a theory, because we don't have yet data to make a theory from gotcha. it. But we can speculate if we use imagination 
and the logic. If the if the speculation is self-consistent, you can do that, uh, which could be um, uh, how to say stimulating for maybe finding something in the near future. Well, I come to the point. Uh, the uh, I go very. I'm very direct in my uh, life. Uh, it has happened that I had. Um, Strange visions, I have to tell it, I'm not ashamed to tell. Strange visions, uh, um, which uh, are normally called hypnagogic uh, or hypnopompic visions, that it's possible to have uh, a few minutes before falling asleep and a few minutes after waking up. So for a while, uh, your mind in your mind becomes like a high-definition screen in which you see and uh, visions, images of uh, high clarity in color. They can be, <clears throat> they can be faces, uh, human and not human, landscapes, uh, uh, ambience or something, but very, very clear. So um, there was some part of my life when it was, uh, I remember everything started when I was 28. I was working, um, uh, before my PhD, and uh, I started to have these images that were clearly lasting only, uh, how to say, uh, not more than 30 seconds, but so clear they were triggering my left brain, so my rational brain. Well, from that time on, I started to elaborate a theory which um, practically deals uh, with uh, an intelligent universe a universe that learns from itself all the time. I thought that life in the universe, um, without, uh, uh, how to say, recording the experience of the people, uh, of their life, of um, this means their thoughts, their actions, their emotions. If this is not recorded somewhere, the uh, life process makes no sense. So I thought that there might be a sort of super computer which is transferring data non-locally, namely instantaneously through the mechanism of a quantum entanglement, and that our mind is transferring everything, is uploading all the time our thoughts, our emotions, to a sort of server, because it's like internet, practically, which collects everything, all the experience of living beings, especially intelligent beings. This kind of information, evidently, can be downloaded, so you can make the inverse procedure. And now I come to hypnagogic um, images that uh, happened to me. My hypothesis is that these images, which have nothing to do with uh, what you have been living the day before or something you are experiencing when you are little or something, something completely strange, it's uh, the result from a downloading process, a spontaneous downloading process in directly in your mind, which is coming from the experience of other beings in the universe or of other human beings. I think this uh, database is there. I believe it's true, but I cannot demonstrate scientifically yet. You can download all these uh, um, so-called data through images 
And uh, the beauty uh, in this is that these images are not the information per se. The images are not information. Sometimes not only images, but you can uh, download also sounds and smells or something. The images are only icons. It's like the icons of a computer program. When you click twice mm. on, on it, you activate a program uh, you trigger something. So they, I think that these images, uh, these visions, are only icons that trigger um, mental processes in your brain. It happened to me because when I started to have these uh, these visions, all of a sudden, uh, strange questions were coming to my mind, especially regarding uh, physics. Uh, about the principle of conservation of energy, about extraterrestrial intelligence, and I started to elaborate, elaborate a lot of things. So I think that behind this process, there is a big intelligence, I would say, create a technology, yeah. a non-local technology that could have been created by supernal beings, after all, supernal, I don't say angels. I simply say, beings that are much more evolved than us, because in the universe there could be beings who are one billion years uh, more um, uh, older than us. So no one knows what they could be able to do. If they're able to build up a computer, no local computer, using the quantum void to store information uh, there and to allow everyone to transmit instantaneously all the data, well, this is technology. And uh, it's a kind of unthinkable you know, technology. And uh, so I think that uh, there is science be behind, behind this that we don't know yet. Uh, practically with my book, my hyperspace book, I just wanted to launch the ball, just to provoke and, uh, and see what happens. I think there is something true. Um, and uh, I stress the fact that it's only a speculation. But intimately, I, I, be, I, I believe it's true. Well, is there, is there something in astrophysics that, that, we, that doesn't get talked about quite a bit that, that's kind of like natural phenomena or seems like it's natural phenomena? For instance, the double slit experiment gets talked about in regular physics with light and photons and things like that. And we've talked to Thomas... Yes. Thomas Campbell, who's been on the show, and he's still doing experiments yes. and has records of through the Monroe Institute of these conscious experiments that they've done together and wrote a yeah. good book. But I wonder, um, because I've looked at uh, Danny Wilton's work, who he's a very good analyst, and he used a very large and detailed graph of uh, the nebula of Orion versus some of the things that were on the earth and it was an exact match like the the mouth of the nile and things like that um it exactly matched the nebula of orion and i always wondered how they knew these things it seems as if the ancients knew something that we didn't uh, there's a lot of statues well, and things that imply that they did well um clearly this is a, in a coincidence it's, it doesn't deal with my uh, my field, which is sure. just astrophysical or so, but uh, there are some coincidences that are very strange. And your question is interesting because um, we cannot exclude that the ancients, like Egyptians, but also the Celts, uh, the Celts and uh, other populations, 
um, were able to interpret some visions in their mind. And so they all of a sudden started to learn something uh, through the process uh, I spoke about uh, regarding my book. So I cannot exclude that their knowledge could have been uh, induced by this mechanism of, of uploading, downloading of information. But uh, I, I cannot confirm clearly. So it's interesting, uh, this coincidence, but I can confirm and I cannot add any information because uh, I'm not an archaeoastronomer. Uh, I'm not an archaeologist, so I cannot I cannot say anything about that. Well, does it seem through the study of what you do, um, <clears throat> based on what Thomas Campbell is saying, that he 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 kind of believes what what you're talking about too? Uh, that that it's some yeah. type of conscious simulation that's going on that requires more entropy, right? That that's what it wants. It, it almost like. And if I understand what, this correctly, almost like consciousness needs more entropy to interpret itself. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Um, well, I don't understand why entropy, because entropy is a, a, how to say, a tendency to go towards a state of disorder. Yeah. And this regards the universe of matter. The universe of matter uh, goes towards a state of entropy, clearly. In my model... I would say the opposite, a sort of syntropy. Practically, uh, syntropy is not a concept that, that exists in physics. Gotcha. But uh, the more the universe is uh, um, learned by itself, by living beings, and learned by this kind of information uh, through this process, and the more there is a sort of um, uh, syntropy of um, consciousness, aware, self-awareness, uh, of the universe in such a way that maybe uh, after some billion years one real god would be born i don't think there is there is any god in this universe because this universe uh, was born by chance randomly from the quantum void and then all of a sudden there was the big bang but this is a consequence of the um, heisenberg uh, indetermination principle and then the universe was evolved, and the the more it was evolving, and the more this mechanism um, uh, grew itself, the database uh, grew more and more and more, but that is the brain, the consciousness of God, because if um, all together we create this thing, then we could create a God, and the God could come after us, so it could be the result of uh, the technology uh, that was discovered by chance by some very evolved civilization yeah. and uh, which allowed uh, to do this marvelous uh, hypothetical uh, database which is the only way to guarantee a syntropic and not entropic uh, way to f do so that the universe has a goal and um, and so that God is born, a real God is born. Right. So this is only my hypothesis. It's only an hypothesis. I got you. And just to correct myself here, uh, I had that backwards in my mind. I don't know why, because I read his book like twice. It's to reduce entropy. So it's pretty much what you're saying, right? Yes. The, the, the overachieving goal of consciousness is to reduce entropy uh, to create some type of order. But it does seem like to me that it that consciousness wants to experience itself, and and 
that you study um, astrophysics, so the things that are that are in astronomy, the space, the things of that nature, doesn't I've said this on the show like quite a few times, and I feel it in my heart, and I guess that's a spiritual thing. Who knows? But I feel like life is whatever it is created the universe. That life could be the large goal, physical life. That it's doing everything in its power, geometrically, physically, you name it, uh, probability-wise, to create physical life, so that consciousness can experience itself. Uh, it seems that way, or feels that way to me. But I know there's no science to prove this. Uh, well, there is not, but there is something that uh, when you look at the physical, the physical universe. Uh, I, I mean, in animate physical universe, you see that uh, the um, uh, physical constants are set so that life is possible. So it seems that this universe has been created for life. Right. Uh, it, it seems to be a coincidence. And then we don't know yet what is physical life, but we know um, that... Uh, uh, for instance, uh, life uh, can exist also beyond the the chemistry of carbon. Or carbon-based life form is what we know, but uh, um, we are thinking about silicon. So life and then consciousness in it could exist also in other forms, maybe also in the form of a plasma. Because I remember there is a paper of 13 years ago, which was published by some physicists from Germany and from Russia on the new journal of physics, which says that plasmas, in particular conditions, when they interact with um, uh, particles, create electrostatic effect in itself, which simulates the DNA identically, which is able to replicate. So life could exist also in the interstellar space as a plasma form. And maybe uh, it tries life to, uh, to exist also in the most difficult environment. For instance, uh, there is a very recent news of the discovery probable discovery of a microbial life uh, in the high Venus in the in, at 60 kilometers high there is a sort of niche where um, uh, phosphine a mole uh, it's a molecule uh, that can be produced only by mi microbial life or by a laboratory Cle clearly there is no laboratory on Venus so you see life tries to find them to to fit in also in the most difficult conditions this happens uh, probably also under the ice oceans of uh, some uh, the satellites like ganymedes like titan of uh, the giant planets we think there is life also there which is a difficult conditions and in the past i think in romania uh, uh, there was a lot of, um, there was no oxygen, uh, there was something else, it, there was uh, uh, sulfur or something, uh, uh, inside some caves, uh, insects uh, were found at um, impossible conditions. It seems that life is fighting to exist, and not only on Earth, but everywhere. I don't know if it's a consciousness that is creating it or not. Mm -hmm. But it it happens. 
the recent dis discovery about Venus opens a lot of perspective that life might be much more spread than we think. So this is what I feel to say. Do you do you do you feel like that you have hope? Uh, for people like SETI, is there any type of technology that you can say now that's coming out that's giving you hope that we can break some new ground here? Because honestly, it seems like that they've been talking about things like dark matter uh, and and changed their mind about it so many times. I wonder if we are making progress or if the field of astrophysics is just something that we're just barely scratching the surface here. No, we know a lot of things in astrophysics. We have established uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of things. We don't know yet what is dark matter, and we try to get it uh, both from uh, astrophysical uh, uh, systems and from nuclear okay. physics. We don't know because there is a, a, a heavy component, a light component. We don't know which which is which. So regarding dark matter. And dark energy, we have no um, confirmation regarding the which is which, what exactly it is. But regarding uh, many other things like uh, black, um, mega black holes in the center of galaxies, about uh, the um, cosmological evolution, about stellar evolution, planetary evolution, we know a lot of things that are established. Regarding SETI, uh, the problem is this that uh, um, electromagnetic radiations uh, diminishes with the inverse of the square of the distance. So the more we look far away and uh, the, 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 the smaller and the weakest is the signal that we receive. So we can look only up to a certain distance right. beyond which we cannot. But that's the reason why we are projecting radio telescopes whose diameter or aperture is the highest as possible because the aperture uh, makes so that uh, the number of photons increases with the square of the diameter. So the more we increase the aperture and the more we can look far away. So uh, we will probably discover with SETI some intelligence with the new uh, super radio telescopes like the square kilometer array technology and in addition to this, to very sensitive receiver and to very high resolu frequency resolution uh, spectrum analyzer. Namely, we are already using those. They are able to get uh, something like one billion uh, frequencies, okay, simultaneously. Wow. It's incredible. And, uh, and so, we would get it. The only biggest problem is to look more far away, because mm. the more we you expand the radio radius of the sphere where we are in the center, and the more the probability to find something from uh, other intelligence increases. So we will, I'm sure, we will find something with SETI, which I support very much, uh, probably using the so-called interferometers which are systems of um, more telescopes that are working synchronously together uh, and they make their soul that uh, 
they are like only one telescope with the diameter given by their separation. So if we are able, we are already using these interferometers in the radio uh, waves. Uh, but if we uh, with um, so we have like uh, telescopes that have a diameter of 1,000 kilometer or more. But if we are able to put in space these systems, we can split this system million of kilometers away, millions, tenth of millions. Um, million away and the more is the separation and the more we have a big telescope so we increase the diameter of this uh, uh, telescope and in that case we can push our site very far away probably um, many million light years in that case we expand the radius and I am sure we would find something with Setai but I think we have to wait uh, still at least uh, 10 or 20 years to obtain a result. But we already have projects of uh, space interferometers. So I am hopeful, um, This and this is standard uh, astrophysics. Well, that's fantastic, because that does give me a little bit of hope when it comes to that, too. Plus, you know, there's a lot of uh, secret projects going on in space, and I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about some of the government and military stuff. I know there's... I have a good feeling about that too, and to hear that, that's pretty cool because I'm a big fan of SETI and what they do as well. I think they might yeah. actually discover something. Uh, last question yeah. here before we got to let you go, um, and this has been a really cool interview. What do you think that, I don't know, it's kind of a random question, but I, I have a chance to ask. Amuamua, what's the deal with that? Everybody keeps talking about that. Um, you know, Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, please tell me again. Amuamua what? was the cigar-shaped object that came into our solar system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's very interesting. And, uh, well, uh, they did, uh, my colleagues uh, did all the kind of acrobacies, to try, mental acrobacies, to try to explain like it like an asteroid. But uh, uh, what I can say is that, um, first of all, it was not in the solar system, and it was coming from out of the solar system. So it was interstellar. It was something that uh, entered, stayed in, in, inside uh, our system for a while, and uh, and went away. Uh, I honestly, I don't know how uh, such an elongated shape uh, can be formed from an asteroid. We right. know that asteroids are. Are almost always have uh, um, uh, asymmetric shapes, okay? But something that is uh, something like it is uh, uh, ten times longer than the than the width. I don't see physically a way to produce it. So I suspend my judgment. Uh, I see that um, anyway. The professor Loeb. Uh, uh, with uh, astrophysicist has analyzed the possibility that uh, this is uh, artificial. And it's not impossible because uh, if you want to, uh, for instance, if you are living uh, on a planet uh, whose star is about to become a supergiant, uh, that planet would be completely burnt by the expansion of the external shell of the star. Okay, so they would be obliged to go away. And the best way to do that is to predict 
with their technology, I, I think they could be able uh, that uh, this catastrophe and build huge arcs, arcs and send them uh, into space uh, with a lot of embryos inside, um, mm. driven by robots uh, with um, microwave propulsion or uh, matter-antimatter propulsion, uh, which would be sent uh, to other more uh, systems stellar system where life is favorable. So it's not impossible, in my opinion, that someone uh, sent something like that. But uh, as I said, I suspend my judgment. Maybe we will discover a way to make an asteroid that is so elongated. But, uh, well, I like... It was weird, for sure. It definitely was weird. It's, uh, yes, yes. Unfortunately, uh, we uh, it stayed uh, so shortly in our solar system, so there was no time to send the spacecraft uh, uh, to to look more close. Unfortunately. Well, we do got to wrap up. I really, really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I didn't even mention your your other books as well as the fact that you're a best selling author. And you also uh, do electronic music too, which I absolutely love. I'm a big fan of. So yeah, maybe one day we can have you back and have a another discussion down the road. Thank you. I would like very much. Thank you very much for invitation and have a nice time. You too. You guys go check out the website, uh, MassimoTioDurani.com. I'm going to put the links there. I'll drop it into the chat room. We have to go. The Secret Teachings is next. Thank you all. Thank you, Pacho, for making this happen. Love you, brother. Good night, y'all.